Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Minutes with Mute. As Scott Mutrin joins me, I'm Mike Galtieri. As we look back at the Boston College-Louisville game, BC comes out victorious 45-42. to We also preview the Virginia game, so it's a very, very exciting edition of the Minutes with Mute. I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you got to join the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up. For more details. Also, if you want to join Chestnut Hill Technology and Stone Loving Pizza and becoming a sponsor of this podcast, you could be right before the Minutes from Mute title. Your business, your organization, whatever it may be, if you're interested in sponsoring advertising on the Minutes with Mute, just email lights camera sports ads at gmail.com. That's lights camera sports, all one word, and then the word ads, A D S at gmail.com. All right, we'll head right into the podcast, Minutes with Mute, with Scott Mutrin and Mike Galtieri. Thanks so much for listening. We are with Scott Mutrin joining us. Of course, you know him, former BC quarterback in the 90s, and now the current sideline reporter on the Boston College IMG radio network. Scott, nice to talk to you, after, especially after a nice win on Saturday. Not, nothing better than chatting after a big win, that's for sure. So BC wins forty-five to forty-two, and you were telling me before you actually weren't there, but you had a good reason uh, this past week. And what was it like watching it from the house? Well, you know the last two games I've missed, the BC offense has gone on explosion and it's going over eighty points total for both those games. I, I'm starting to get a complex like they don't like me to be there and watch them play, but. Uh, I did get to celebrate my 11th wedding anniversary with my wife, so that that was a good a good bonus. Although I didn't remember right away when I knew I couldn't make it to the game, um, I, I was subtly reminded from her that we could at least spend the day together. But she does not enjoy watching football games with me, so I watched the game with my three sons instead, and they're they're a little more tolerant of my screaming at the television. <laughs> so what? Let's, let's get. What were you screaming about? What's your just your general take? Uh, from last Saturday's victory? Well, I think the biggest thing that you could say, and I and I said, I kind of tweeted this out, is that if if Steve Adazio and Scott Leffler at the beginning of the year could have lit- literally scripted a way in which they wanted a game to unfold um, offensively, that would have been it. Uh, you know, to be able to run the ball, mix some controlled play action in there, and, you know, spread the ball out, out to the tight ends and to the perimeter and then be able to keep the defense on their on their heels and not really let them key off at either one launch point for the quarterback or one uh, kind of set running play, that that's ideally kind of how they would draw it up. I thought uh, Scott Leffler did an excellent job uh, in the second half. You, you look at BC, left two touchdowns on the table there. Anthony Brown missed, uh, missed an open, I think, Kobe White in the end zone, and then, and then Darius Wade missed. Uh, I think Kobe White or Jeff Smith coming across late in the fourth quarter, that would have been, if at worst, a huge gain, at best, a touchdown. So you look at that offensively and you say that's, that's exactly how they would have drawn it up. Yeah, what do you think, just watching the offensive line, I, I know for me, it just seemed like a totally different team this Saturday. What, what was there something that clicked that you saw? Or was it what what? How, or it's just it all comes together that way? What did you see from the offensive line? Well, I think the big thing you talk about with that unit is cohesion. And if you get five guys that are playing the same position game in and game out, 
you start to get comfortable in your responsibilities and your job and you're able to work together as a unit. Um, losing John Baker at the beginning of the year is not just losing uh, a senior captain, but you're losing the center of your offensive line. And it's and you got to re- kind of reestablish everybody and put them into different positions. And now you've seen the last three games that the offensive line has had the ability to play together and get comfortable playing with, with one another. And to have that ability to be able to do that gives you some more confidence and, and lets you play well. I thought um, that they played with exceptional pad level, meaning that they got down, they got in the guys' bodies, really kind of drove Louisville off the ball, uh, were really able to get to the second level uh, where you're seeing offensive linemen get to, to linebackers. And when you're able to do that at Boston College, and that's what they need and have to do, it allows your you know, your big physical running backs of A.J. Dillon and John Hilleman, and especially A.J. Dillon. I mean, you can't say enough about the way he played. Um, those guys are able to – you put them on linebackers and DBs, and that's a matchup you want, you're going to want, and you're going to take your chances with that every time. A.J. Dillon, you mentioned him, 272 yards. I think he had four TDs. What was your reaction watching that play when he threw that Louisville defender down? Oh, that, that was a jump off the couch and start screaming at the TV, sit down, sit down. All my sons were up yelling at it, too. It was uh, it was just that's a man play. I mean, you're talking about a 19-year-old. Um, you're talking about a 19-year-old guy that's going in there and throwing guys around. And I was saying 22 for Louisville is going to be all over ESPN and not for the right reasons because that's, that's something that will be on A.J. Tillon's highlight tape for the rest of his life. Um, I thought he did an excellent job of uh, yards after contact. I believe he had 199 yards after contact. And when you're doing stuff like that, that wears a defense down. Uh, They use the analogy, and and you say it all the time, like a boxer with body blows. They don't necessarily pay off in the first round, but in the the ninth and tenth round, those body blows start to hurt. And tackling 245 pounds of A.J. Dillon coming downhill at you, is not ideal, and you saw that late in the game in Louisville. Kind of was just like, all right, enough, enough trying to tackle this guy. Um, for, they were basically like saying, we're just going to have to outscore him and give it to our Heisman Trophy candidate Lamar Jackson uh, and let him do it. And it's kind of funny because when we talked last week about this, I said uh, the last thing BC wants to do is get the shootout with Louisville, and I guess they proved me wrong on that because that wasn't that was an old time shootout there. Um, you know you. BC's running game versus um, Louisville's Lamar Jackson game, him running and throwing the football. And it was, I mean, it made for some exciting times. Um, I, I do, the one thing you do have to recognize is I think Darius Wade played, played well. The best he's probably played in a BC uniform. Um, his teammates needed him to step up, and, and Coach Leffler did a good job, I thought, putting him in positions to succeed and, and really tailored the offense towards his strengths. Uh, getting him outside the pocket. He utilized the tight ends very well. It was awesome to see Tommy Sweeney get the ball. He is such a weapon, uh, whether it's in the middle of the field or on the perimeter. Um, getting the ball in his hands is, is a difference changer for that offense, and I'd like to see them do a lot more of it. Yeah, you know, I was thinking the same thing. I remember watching Tommy Sweeney in the spring game, and he really dominated like that. <clears throat> so my question is, why don't they utilize that offense with Anthony Brown uh, coming to play? It seems like that's a tailor-made, great BC offense, naked bootlegs, 
running out. What's your thoughts on that between, you know, in general, Darius Wade versus Anthony Brown and the type of offense they use? Well, I think when, when you have Anthony Brown out there, you're seeing a little more downfield kind of thought process. And you're, you'll see some uh, lower completion percentage throws, but higher chances and bigger chunk plays. I think Darius Wade is more of a uh, controlled passer. He can work around the pocket. He's not as, as big. He doesn't have as big of an arm as Anthony Brown. Uh, but he can get the ball to the perimeter. He's accurate in the intermediate stuff. I think with a guy like Darius Wade, you'd like to see some underneath crossing routes, some option routes, uh, some, some easy kind of slant, flat routes, easy curl routes, the ability to get the ball in that kind of 15 to 18 yard as far downfield and then work that, that little small box on the, on the sidelines and go a little more horizontal in the flats uh, in that five to seven yard range and really let him get the ball out of his hand and get it to other guys so that they can make plays. Haven't seen enough um, uh, run after the catch with BC this year. A lot of their plays in, in Louisville, there was some of that, but that is the opportunity that they have. If they can get the ball to guys in space and let them run with it, they have some athletes that can do some damage in space. So I know you, we don't really know the extent of Anthony Brown's injury, but what do you think happens to the QB position for BC um, come Saturday down Virginia? Well, I mean, you look at your throwing arm, and it, it, from what it looks like, it's either he's got a little bit of a – this is my guess, but I'm guessing out loud, thinking out loud. Um, it's either he's got a little bit of a stinger or probably a little maybe separation of his shoulder. And When you got a throwing shoulder that's separated, it, it's painful. It's very painful. You can play through it, but it hurts. It's tough to get a lot of work in in practice, and I know, uh, you know, coming out of the – I think the Wake Forest game when he got hurt, uh, he didn't have as much work against Notre Dame, and you can see the rustiness there. I don't know if Coach Adazio is going to be that keen, especially with Darius Wade playing so well against Louisville, uh, of putting him out there if he's not 100% and missing a lot of practice time. You want a guy that's getting a lot of reps and getting a lot of rhythm with his guys to be out there. Um, but he did say in his press conference that if Anthony's healthy, he gets the, you know, the start. But, I mean, I think healthy, in quote-unquote, is the, the important term going into that. Yeah, no question about it. And you could kind of th- – I was at the press conference too on um, on Monday, and you kind of sense Adazi really just doesn't know what Anthony Brown, at least on Monday, what his, his health-wise, his status was or is. You just, got, you just got to get some treatment, get some ice on it, and uh, they'll you know, probably hook you up to a couple of the machines and uh, see how it feels. And if you're able to if you're able to throw with, with minimal pain or deal with the pain and everyone's you know pain threshold is uh, – is different than you can go out there and play. Uh, but if not, you know, there's also that time where everyone wants to be out there, but you have to do what's in the best, you know, best wishes of the team or the best, you know, the best intentions of the team to go out there and, and put yourself aside and be like, hey, I can't give the team everything I need. I got to step aside and, and, and let the other guy go in there. So I, I think it's, it's, you know, that's, although there's, they're similar but different, um, I think you'll see. Anytime Virginia has to think more about what QB is going to play, plays into BC's hands. Um, I think as you go into this game against Virginia, they are five and one. Um, they haven't played uh, maybe as many teams as BC has played. Uh, BC is kind of getting towards the end of that brutal part of their schedule. But you know, in college football, things change year to year. North Carolina State and Syracuse showed this past weekend that they're teams to really consider. Um, but an opportunity for BC to go down to Virginia and. 
I think you're going to want to see something similar to what happened in Louisville. I don't think you can count on giving the ball to A.J. Dillon 40 times a game again. I think you're going to need to see some more um, some more of the controlled play action. And when I say that, I mean when you come out, you're able to get the ball into the flat or a crossing route real quick instead of trying to throw a deep comeback or a deep fade route or a deep post route. Those plays are good for explosive plays. You like to see three, of, three to five of them a game, but you're not going to get a lot of high completion percentage with those plays. The other bootlegs, um, you're able to soften up that defense and keep them on their heels because just as they think you're going to run it, you're throwing it, and just as they think you're going to throw it, you're going to run it. Um, so if they're able to do that, and my my you know my favorite thing is when on third down, if you stay on the field on third down, good things are going to happen. You think uh, also, I mean, Virginia now has the tape, so uh, you have to think they are, they're going to be all over the bootleg and expecting that from the tight ends uh, come Saturday. Yeah, and Virginia gets paid to make uh, adjustments as well. Bronco Mendenhall is a very good coach down there. He's got a good squad. He's really picked up um, that Virginia program that was kind of on bad times and has really turned them around in the last couple years. They're going to see the tape, yes, but it's also different stopping it in real life. No and question, if yep. if DC's able to, to run the ball, if they're able to run the ball, even though Virginia knows they're going to be able to run the ball, then you can you can watch as much tape as you want, but you still got to tackle 245 pounds of A.J. Dillon. And as Louisville got to see, that's not exactly the easiest of things to do. Um, maybe you get him 20 to 25 times, and John Hill and then a couple more carries, or Travis Levy some carries. Uh, but there are some other guys on the field that can do some damage. But that running game just opens up everything else out there offensively. And then if you show some a B-plus passing game or even a B-passing game, man, that, that makes an offense a lot harder to stop because if you can go two dimensions, you really put a defense on their heels. Especially you know, John Hillman. I love that play in fourth down. Him catching the ball was a great first down right there. Uh, Scott, yeah, I was – yeah, go to give uh, Coach Adazio credit. I know it, it, uh, he gets a lot, but he has had no hesitation going for it on fourth down this year. He's really uh, not not really hesitated one bit when he's had some opportunities to do that. Yeah, you're right. You're no question about it. I got into a debate uh, at the press conference on Monday with another media member about Virginia. He's saying, you know, they really are turning around this year. They've looked good. But if you look at their schedule, you really break it down. They beat William & Mary. They lost to Indiana. They beat UConn. Uh, that nice win at Boise State. And then they beat Duke, who's down this year. And they beat North Carolina, who's down this year. So it's a little bit misleading because you compare that schedule to BC's schedule. Uh, so just just your thoughts. I mean, they're five and one Virginia as a whole, but uh, their schedule is a little bit soft. Yeah, but as I think Bill Parcells or even Bill Belichick says, you can only play who's on your schedule. Yep. So they yep. can't change who's on there. So the fact that they're they're still five and one, and you, if you'd ask you know Steve Adazio if he'd like to be five and one with that schedule, I'm sure he would he would change places in no time uh, with that. So. You, you, you never know what you got until you see them on the field. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that you can say because whatever programs are up or down in college football, as you saw last weekend with Washington losing, with, um, with Clemson losing, you're seeing teams that anybody can lose on any given week and anybody can win on any given week. So if you're not ready to play and you don't bring your game, you, you can lose to anybody in, in the country just as much as you can beat anybody in the country. So uh, although the schedule may not look as tough as it as you know as BC's, they're still in a good position, and you still got to prepare 
as, as hard as you did for Louisville uh, to go on the road because it's never easy to win on the road and a place BC. I don't, I don't know when the last time BC played down in Virginia. Yeah, they're in the coastal, so it's it's a it's a couple years back. Um, yeah, that's, it's probably been a long time, if ever. I don't even know if they've been down there to tell you the truth. Yep, the, BC is actually five and zero in the series, uh, so. It, they've they've actually dominated this series as well. The teams won't play again until 2024. I'm looking at the game notes right now. So, right. Uh, it, it's it, yes, and you're right. This is BC's only second trip to Charlottesville ever. So you know it, it, you're right. It's 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 a rare a rare to go down uh, to play them, and they're in the Coastal Division. We haven't talked much, Scott. Last question about the BC's defense. What do you think they need to do to step up? Um, to get against Virginia, you know, to try to because you know, unfortunately, they did give up forty-two points to Louisville. Uh, great offense, of course, Lamar Jackson. But uh, what what does Virginia need to do? What does BC need to do to stop Virginia? Uh, I mean, you, you say Lamar Jackson, and that that carries a lot of weight. I mean, you're the re, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner yep. is is a is a player, and you put him in that offense, and it's it's tough to shut him down. And you put that game plan together, and that's kind of what you hope for. Uh, BC, I thought, did a good job defensively. They weren't really looking to get to Lamar Jackson in their in the rush game. Uh, they're kind of they were rushing to his upfield shoulder and kind of keeping him in the pocket and forcing him to throw the ball. What happened was, and, and as you see, is when you have to play a team like Louisville that has so many weapons and they have so many offensive plays that game. I think the, the defense wore down. They just uh, they got a little tired there at the end, and Lamar Jackson just turned it up, and he really kind of threw it into another gear. But what what wins is you get a you get interception from Wyatt Ray, you get an amazing strip and recovery by Cameron Moore that that won the game. I mean, let's be honest that if if they don't turn Louisville over on that series, they were having a tough time stopping Lamar Jackson. But they make a great play, get the ball. Cameron Moore gets a, a fumble recovery, gets them into into Louisville territory where they're able to, to use A.J. Dillon and, and run the clock out and not let Lamar Jackson touch the ball again. Um, it says a lot about their resilience because they had gotten, you know, beaten up and down that field in the second half, but there's a lot of uh, experience on that defense, and their their kind of older guys stepped up and made plays when they needed to. Um, I, I've really been re- impressed with John Lamont uh, as a true freshman who has come in due to some injuries. You, you see him around the field, and he's playing with a lot of confidence uh, lately and some speed. Uh, so a lot of credit to him. He was kind of all over the field on Saturday. They did a really good job, uh, you know, rallying to the ball and, and really being physical towards the end of the game and, and going in and attacking the ball. I think with Virginia, you're going to see a little more of a – they're a more pro-style offense. Uh, you don't see a lot of pro-style offenses in college nowadays. But Mendenhall brings that over from BYU – the old LaBelle Edwards kind of offense, um, that's, a, that's a little more desirable. Now you're going to allow your defensive end, Zach Allen and Harold Landry, to do their thing and get up the field and, and wreak some havoc in the backfield. Uh, they're not going to spread out overly. They have, they have some, a good running game, but not nearly as dynamic as Lamar Jackson. But I think this is a game where you're going to be able to see BC's defensive line set the tempo and really get after the quarterback and maybe cause some disruption back there. Well, Scott, it's always a good time checking in with you midweek here, and uh, should be an exciting game. Twelve thirty on Saturday, BC looking to prove to six and zero all time in the series. Hopefully, they will be six and zero come Saturday night. 
Yeah, hopefully. It'll be, the plane rides are much more enjoyable when, when uh, BC wins. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no question about it. Hey, Scott, as always, thanks so much for the time and uh, joining us here. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it.